Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. We're live streaming on Jolt Radio from Miami, Florida. Every week we spark conversations about contemporary art, design, and film. You can listen to our stories anywhere you go for podcasts. Today we invite you to join our road trip to Key West. The southernmost outpost of the United States. At the very end of Highway US-1, closer to Cuba than to Miami, nature comes in brilliant colors and sunsets are always legendary. The two-by-four-mile island has long-inspired writers, poets, playwrights, and musicians. Each year, the subtropical paradise attracts thousands of curious visitors from near and far. This is our second adventure at the far edge of Florida. Our host, the Studios of Key West, a creative hub since 2006 when local artists, writers, and musicians claimed the historic Key West Armory as their creative space and launched a year-round program of workshops, events, and exhibitions. The studios are a growing force in the community. Every year, their residency program lures more than 30 emerging and established artists and writers to Key West. Just imagine the time and space to envision new work, engage in dialogue with your peers, and explore the island. Each month-long residency comes with a bicycle, a local host, and a private cottage you can claim as your studio. Before we introduce today's storytellers, let's listen to the poetic vibe of this place. Almost every memory of Key West involves savoring the sunset on Mallory Square, exploring the island on bicycles, an astonishing number of free-roaming roosters, and dinner music at every taco truck. Now for our conversations about creativity at the end of the road. In the first of two live-streaming remote broadcasts on Jolt Radio, Miami-based artist Monica McGivern joins me on the air at the studios of Key West. You're about to hear what inspires the studio's director, why a painter who came to visit never left, and how three artists in residence have fallen in love with this island dream. We are in Key West, Florida. I'm Kathy Bird with Fresh Art International. Hello, Key West. Those voices you just heard will be on the air with me in a few moments. I'm here with Monica McGivern from Miami. That's right. I'm so happy to be here. We are today launching our 2018 Destination Fresh Art campaign. And what that means for listeners is that we're raising funds to support faraway field recordings. It's to go as far as to the Dakar Biennial, to go to Sao Paulo, to go in our own backyard to Puerto Rico to find out how the art community is recovering from Hurricane Maria to also look at the African diaspora in the Caribbean. We want to highlight what's going on in those places in the Global South and 
this is our first stop. It's not the Global South, but it's a community that was impacted very strongly by Hurricane Irma that came last year. That's true. Monica has taken over our Instagram account at FreshArtINTL, and she is posting those beautiful photos from this experience in Key West. Tell them about what we're doing tomorrow. So tomorrow we culminate the trip with another live broadcast, and that is going to be at the legendary Green Parrot Bar. The first and last bar, I hear, is the tagline for the Green Parrot Bar, and we are going to showcase a poet in honor of National Poetry Month. He is going to be reading some poetry as he is doing every day for the month of National Poetry Month. So his name is Jack Hackett. I'll post a picture of Jack in a little bit on the Instagram site so you can take a look and hopefully join us again tomorrow at the Green Parrot. Now we're going to introduce you to the director of the studios of Key West that brought us here today. Hi, Kathy. How are you doing? Hi, Jed Dodds. Jed Dodds and I have some history. We do. We go back a ways. We do. We met in Baltimore. We were both there, and we both left. And here we are. (laughs) I was so excited when I found out you were in Key West, and I reached out to you immediately when I saw. It's true. Like, what are you doing down there? I'm coming. Well, it's a very different community, but a really exciting one to be in. And running things here at the studios has been an adventure. And we've got a still pretty brand new art center that we've opened up in the middle of downtown and really trying to be the hub of the art scene here in Key West. I think you're doing it. Yeah. You're killing it, Jed. Yeah, we're just about to, <laughs> I think the doors are opening downstairs for our first Thursday openings. And we've got four new exhibitions opening tonight, just another evening at the studios. The first Thursday openings, we you know we open exhibitions every month, and uh, which is a really crazy schedule to try and stick to. But the season is somewhat short, so we we just can't bring ourselves to cut anything out of it. So we rotate the exhibitions pretty quickly, and we'll expect I know several hundred people through here tonight, and looking forward to it. Well, thank you for joining me, and now we are looking forward to welcoming to the mic a local artist whose work is on view tonight, Victoria Mata. I'm loving your paintings. Thank you. How long have you been based in Key West? I've been in Key West for about seven years now, originally um, from Boston. What made you move here? I was traveling after going to school and working a bit in the Boston area. I spent some time in the desert southwest of this country, New Mexico, a couple years in South America, and a bit of time in Nepal, traveling and absorbing and making a bit of work during that time, but absorbing what I now recognize or quite a lot of influence from the typography in those areas and eventually traveled around a bit in the U.S. and ended up down here and I never left. I came once and I I stayed. How does that impact your work? It really has. Growing up in Massachusetts in the New England area, when I came down here, I noticed pretty quickly that my color palette changed quite dramatically. The brighter colors, the vibrancy really started to come into my work. A bit of playfulness, I think, also in terms of the shape, the composition, it kind of lightened up a little bit and bringing in those kind of tropical bright colors, which was unexpected, but has been a really, really nice addition. It's a very serene aesthetic, Mm -hmm. what I see Mm -hmm. in the exhibition on view here. Mm -hmm. What's the title of the show and what are you trying to say with these works? The title of this body of work is Where You Are, and I've always 
painted abstractly, but the elements of landscape started to come into my work as well, where they're still quite abstract and they're not representational, but a horizon might come in or a sense of, of space that began to make me want to play with that idea of how much is required to create a sense of space and place and how do we relate to our physical environments and emotional and psychological connections that we have with our surroundings and how that relates to our interior emotional spaces. Well, thank you so much thank for you. being with me here today. It's a pleasure. My next guest is Dimitra Skandali. Welcome to Fresh Art International. Hello, Kathy. Thank you so much for having me here. And welcome to Key West again. I understand you've been here before. Oh, yes. I have been so lucky to be here for a second time. I'm telling you, I think I will follow Tori <laughs> and move here. It feels so good to be back. It looks as if Key West inspires your work. Exactly. That's how it feels. It was a very rich experience when I was here in 2014, and this sticked into my heart and my mind, and I really wanted to try coming again. One of the things that feels really good here is that it's an island. I am surrounded by the sea, and because I'm coming from an island in Greece, it really feels home, both metaphorically and physically, because... I came from San Francisco, so, you know, I'm closer to Paris, to Greece. But also that feeling of being surrounded by the sea and being part of the local community really feels so good. The studios of Key West have made so great impact on the island. I feel so fortunate to be part of it. Artist Dimitra Skandali invites me to the cottage where she's living and working this month. Just for tonight... She transforms her studio space into a layered meditation on the coastal ecosystem she loves to explore. Yamas. Yamas. <laughs> All the best. It really means a lot to me that you are here and I can talk about this piece and to express my gratitude for the studios and its people and how much they supported all the ideas that I had since the beginning. So we're in this beautiful garden. It's a very magical place. And I'd love for you to describe the experiences people will have as they enter your realm. I can begin with my experience collecting different elements from around the island. And as you can imagine, beaches were my favorite place. <laughs> and every day I was there and I have collected pieces of seagrass and seaweed. I have collected uh, pieces of corals and I made a kind of gate, a kind of portal. And so if we pass through your portal into this darkened room mm -hmm. and in here we have an entirely different experience of a video projection. First of all you see moving water from the sea and this specific video is taken from underwater in the Aegean Sea. I keep saying that I carry my island with me everywhere and in my statement I say that all my process is carrying all this experience with me and building a community wherever I go. Here this is for me an example of how I, me as a 
person who grew up in a little village on Paros in a Greek island in the Aegean Sea has found all these elements during all these journeys and I have built up this piece which consists of the video and sound from the Aegean Sea, a fabric that I have embroidered with seagrass from the Pacific and all these drawings The inspiration comes from navigation maps from the key islands. And you will notice over here there are six little uh, drawings with very, very much detail. They are based on the maps, but also in corals and underwater elements that I have found. Also pieces of poetry. So over here you can see very tiny letters with poetry and also the depths of the ocean around the key islands. The way I am presenting it, it can be invisible. You cannot really read it. You have to pay very much attention to see what exactly it is because the space is dark and the moving water creates all these shadows and interruptions. This is what I want to show, that we really need to pay attention to the little details the sensitive balances between us and nature and give the appropriate respect. Even the way we are standing on the room is interrupting the effect of the projection. So that for me plays a very important role. Justin Lupke is one of the current writers in residence at the studios of Key West. So you're here from Montana. I'm here from a long, cold, distant place, yes. Very different. What inspires you about being here? One thing that inspires me, and the girls were talking about this a little bit, is the colors here. And I have this theory, especially that deep aqua blue color. When you're out on the water, surrounded in that blue, it just makes you feel a certain way. To me, it's kind of a feeling of love, I don't know, but... So it just brings out a different side of yourself. And the fact is, we are at the very edge of the United States, mile zero of U.S. Route 1. Mile zero, yep. I think that's one of the things that makes us such an interesting place is it's the end of the road, attracts a certain kind of person that likes the end of the road and being far away. We do see a lot of end of the roaders here. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And there's all these other people that are coming in, flowing in. Last night we went to the sunset on Mallory Square, and the performance of the audience was as intriguing for me as the performance of the stand-ups that were all around the square. It's kind of cheerful to see people cheer the sunset. I know. (laughs) I just had the pleasure of attending your writing storytelling workshop. And the stories you told were about the place you come from, the one that you showed us first. So damn glad about a doctor from your hometown. Tell me about that story. It was a story about a man named Doc Losey, and he was really one of my heroes growing up. And I wanted to tell a story about how a person arrives at the end of their life still holds on to a sense of, of wonder or curiosity. I think curiosity is such a vital part of our lives as creatives and just our lives and being happy in life. 
And so I followed this doctor for the last couple of years of his life, and he was just a remarkable man. It, even to the last days, he was so positive and funny and, and appreciative of, of what he had been given in life. I think I like stories that explore hope in unlikely places, and I guess that's obviously any story you tell is going to be based in who you are. And so, yeah, the world can be a pretty heavy, dark place, but then there's these elements of beauty at the same time. And so I like to look at that juxtaposition. So let's talk about home. What are you stepping away from? Um, well, I'm from Montana is where I base out of. Of course, I work all over the world, but that's where my home base is, and I do love it there. It has been the landscape that has informed a lot of my choices and sensibilities as a as a filmmaker and as a writer you'll see most of my stories are influenced by that place you've gone a lot further afield though there's one film you're working on that involves an elephant it does i'm actually that's what i'm down here writing a story about an orphaned elephant it's been an incredible journey getting to know these animals and understanding their emotional lives and family structures and all the tremendous things there are about elephants and all the sad things about them too and in the war to save them. So I'm working on a dramatic piece that takes place within the context of the elephant wars. Where are you going for this story? Where is it taking you? Um, it's taking me to uh, Kenya and Tanzania, but really the war is happening anywhere that there's native elephants really fighting to keep them on the planet. How did you end up making elephants a cause? What led you there? Well, I've worked on a lot of wildlife films and in that space, and so I've spent so much time in these wild places and with animals, and I wanted to see if there were different ways of telling conservation stories that aren't just blue-chip documentaries but are more dramatic-based films perhaps can reach a different audience than might watch a nature documentary. You know, a lot of people have a connection to elephants because they're such incredible creatures and to me it's just they're so symbolic that if we let the elephant be killed off then it's such a loss to all of nature in the wild so we gotta fight the battle where we can and and what I know how to do is tell stories so that's what I figured I'd try to do. What was that moment when you realized you wanted to tell stories? How I first decided upon doing this line of work was I was on a train in India and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. I was in my early 20s, and I happened to pick up a newspaper from an older gentleman sitting next to me, and there was an article. The first thing I saw was this article about a social documentary filmmaker, and it just kind of clicked right then. I'd never quite thought of that as an option, but it, it just made sense and combined all the, the interests that I have. Okay, so from a drifter in India to a filmmaker in yeah. Kenya... Is there anything that you would offer or think about as a takeaway to somebody that wants to start telling stories through film? I guess all I would have to say is to not worry too much about telling a perfect story or being so critical of your story, but try to just find what's authentic to yourself and let it grow from there. And I think that starts from a place of curiosity about the world around you. Perini Shroff has come to Key West from California to write a story that delves into her personal and cultural history.
Hi, Kathy. Hi. So where are you based now and what are you up to? I divide my time between Marin, California, which is north of San Francisco, and Palo Alto, California, which is an hour south of the city. In Palo Alto, I work part-time as an attorney for a law firm. And when I'm in Marin, that is when I work on my novel and my novel manuscript. And I think that's a really important thing for listeners to hear, that there are so many of us in the creative field that are doing jobs and jobs to pursue our dream. I'm very happy that I went to law school in so much that it allows me to feed the creative side of me. It's important to put the work that you do to pay the bills in as much of a bubble as you can because real world realities will eat into the creative side of you. And so I really like to bifurcate my time. And the physical split I talked about between Palo Alto and Marin really helps the two sides of my brain work when they're meant to. When we first exchanged notes, you shared with me your favorite Bollywood film. It's called Jub We Met, which means when we met in English, which is a hybrid of Hindi and English. It was released in 2008, and it is a road trip love story. The man in the film is trying to get the girl to her fiancé, and in the process he falls in love with her, and hijinks ensue. It's a movie that just has a special place in my heart, and it is flawed. It's not a perfect film by any means, but the heart is there, and the humor is there, and it feeds something in my soul and makes me want to write. So I make it a point to watch it at least once a year because it's balm to my heart. So Bollywood, as long as we're on the topic, has informed my writing because to get a sense of India through the decades, especially its political roller coaster of the 60s and 70s, the cinema of that time adequately reflects the sense of the, the people. Like you have the more romantic 60s where people were really on the heels of independence. They were very optimistic. And then you have the 70s where people were dissatisfied with the economy and that angry young man character came out in the 70s. And so Bollywood, I think, informs my work in that it informs the political times of India from 47 to present day. Tell me about your work then. My current project is a novel that takes place in India, Bombay, or Mumbai specifically, in 2008. But the novel also flickers back to 1947, which is when partition of India and Pakistan happened. Are there hijinks in the book you're working on? The book is a little darker than my personality is. So when I step into that world, it weighs me down. And maybe that's why I needed to be here so much for a little bit of levity. But the book takes place in 2008 during the three-day terror attack that happened in Bombay. And in order to examine 2008, it is important to look at India's history, specifically partition in 1947 when Pakistan and India gained independence. It examines Hindu-Muslim tensions throughout the decades Hopefully, if I've done my job right at the end of the day, it shows that division is not a discovery, it's a creation and a dangerous one. And the concept of the other and xenophobia in general is very harmful. Hopefully, this book can be a gift or an offering towards healing. Did you spend time in India in researching the book? I've spent time in Mumbai conducting interviews, reading all the things you'd expect, but even 
Before that, I spent the first few years of my life in India. Because my father and family still live there, I would spend my summers and winter breaks, all the times you get off for school, to just be in India and address that part of who I am, American, but I am Indian. And writing from a very young age helped me realize the identity. And I think that because of the process of writing and being an artist, I think I have thus far successfully escaped a lot of conflict that immigrants face and feel, especially as they have children and the identity question is passed on to them. It seems that would have to do with also being able to go home, to go back to India, because there's so many immigrants that aren't able to go home. You're absolutely right. I am very privileged in that I was able to have one foot in both in the East and the West, and it is such a blessing. And I am very thankful my parents for that. It's a gift. And what about being in Key West or at the studios of Key West do you think is influencing how you're writing? The climate here is very similar to India. So even when I'm sitting outside in the morning with coffee, I feel like I'm on my father's porch in Ahmedabad because the climate is so similar, the heat and the humidity. And that makes my heart happy. And whether or not I'm cognizant of it, it absolutely informs my writing. What would you advise for those who want to tell stories like you do, who live the double life? Keep going, because that's the hardest thing. Being a writer, or being any artist, you're working in a vacuum and you're not necessarily getting feedback like you are in a typical job. It is so easy to just feel discouraged and to stop, but please keep going because your story and your work and your point of view, they need to be heard and we're eager to listen. Right now, the residency opportunity is open for applications to become a resident at the studios of Key West. So let's encourage. Apply, apply, apply. You will not regret it. It's a slice of paradise. I am going to remind our listeners that tonight is the launch of Destination Fresh Art. Yay! Yay! We are ambitious about increasing diversity, increasing the reach and the listenership of our program because Fresh Art International is a podcast and a radio show that has been sharing conversations about creativity since 2011. I love telling people's stories through their own voices, and I consider it a fantastic opportunity. This is Fresh Art International. Today on Jolt Radio, we introduce you to the voices of contemporary creativity in Key West at the end of the Overseas Highway. In this second remote broadcast, Miami-based artist Monica McGivern joins me on the radio from inside the welcoming saloon and creative community hangout known as the Green Parrot. You're about to meet one of the bar's owners, the Parrot's resident poet, and a group of musicians from New Orleans that loves to play here. This is Kathy Bird with Fresh Art International, coming to you live from the Green Parrot in Key West with Monica McGivern. Here we are, hello. Happy hour has begun. It has, and I hope you guys are on your way driving down to Key West to meet us here at the Green Parrot because it's a great environment here and we're super happy to be invited to 
consider this one of the first events of Destination Fresh Art 2018. You can hear behind us the testing, testing, one, two, three, because they are getting ready for a band from New Orleans to play today. What's so great about Key West is it's at the end of the road, and the master of the end of the road is here with us today, John Vagnoni, the co-founder of the Green Parrot, and he's here to take on the mic and share the history of this oh, nice. universe. Hi, John. How are you? Just fine. I want to give a shout out to John's son, Nick Vagnoni. Nick Vagnoni, you said that perfectly. Fabulous writer nice. and I think an inspiration to his father. Huh. Right? And yep. his father inspires him. Yep. So it's really wonderful to have met uh, John through Nick. And John is at the Green Parrot, and I would love for people to know that are listening, what's the claim to fame for the Green Parrot? Why, why is it here and what does it mean? Well, basically, I think we're just a tropical little saloon, a little corner saloon. And sometimes I actually have to pinch myself that we've gotten so much notoriety in the last several years. Basically, uh, our calling card has just been great service, cold beer, and great music. Right, but you've also been dedicated to poetry. Hey, we are considered a cultural hub of Key West, so culture and irony rears its ugly head ever so often down here. For the month of April, being National Poetry Month, and this was inspired by Scott Cunningham from O Miami, he inspired Jack Hackett to come in here and read a poem a day for the month of April. So every day right before the music starts or right before bingo starts, Jack gets up there and reads either one of his poems or someone else's poetry. And it's a big hit. And what's interesting to me always and since the first time I visited is the fact that you have a little library right outside the door. A little free library. So this is again where culture and the saloons meet. Very proud that we have that cultural connection to the community. The little library gets used constantly. You take a book, leave a book and there's constantly people coming in to leave things and take things. So we have kids coming in to do it. It's just a wonderful thing. And you have said that this month you're going to be posting poems there every day. Yeah, we put poems in there every day for people to stop by and if they want to leave a poem, we have a little clipboard in there. If they want to leave a poem, if they want to leave one, they can. Again, it's community involvement, just trying to be part of the neighborhood. And we also have a free air out there. You don't see that very often. That's so true. Our maintenance guy, Bucko, who's also a great friend of the community, when we got a new beer system in here, he took the uh, compressed airline and ran it all the way out to the sidewalk. And we had one of our artists create one of those old-fashioned air pumps that you would see in a gas station. So now everybody can stop and get free air whenever they need. Kids going to school, people on their bicycles, truck drivers with uh, hand trucks. So every little bit. Community service, community, community engagement. Community service, not to mention you can come in and get uh, free popcorn every day too. I smell it and I'm looking <laughs> forward to trying some. I'm thinking about, it's really important for those who haven't been here before to know the history of this place. It's been here since 1890. 1890, the building was built in 1890 and originally it was a grocery store, Mr. Antonio Sanchez. And Mr. Sanchez's grandson was Mario Sanchez who went on to be one of the more famous folk artists of the 20th century and he would do these little wood carvings, hand-painted wood carvings, 
He passed away a few years ago, age 93. He was a customer of ours. We're just proud to have that heritage of Mario Sanchez growing up here. In the World War II, the U.S. Navy built their submarine base right down the street. So we mobilized here and became a submariner's hangout. So the Green Parrot, it was known as the Brown Derby then, the Green Parrot became the submariner's bar in Key West. And every branch of the service seemed to have its own tap room then, its own tavern. Down the street, the gate bar was the Marine Corps bar. Around the corner, the boat bar was for regular Navy. The Brown Derby was for the submarine sailors. They made it their own. I heard recently that you had some poets here connected with armed service. Uh, well, what, last what year, was that? when we did our poem a day, I, after Jack reads his, I typically invite anybody that has one to read to come up and read it. So the British Navy happened to be in town. So they coaxed one of their own to come up here and read a poem, and uh, to much fanfare. And of course, his poem was about the sea. Go figure. But I just thought it was great to have, once again, community participation. I said, if there's anybody out there, I said, I know all of you must have some poem that you've either committed to memory, or maybe it's folded up in your wallet for the last 30 years and you've carried it around. So please, if you want to share it, please do. And a woman came up and read a poem that her mother had in her wallet for the last 40 years. It was a mother's poem to her child saying, paraphrasing of course, when I go to work every morning, I want you to know that you're always with me. You never leave my thoughts. It was a, just a beautiful poem, and she wound up reading it to her mother at the bar, and I'm telling you, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, including mine. So, you know, you never know what you're gonna unravel here when you give people the opportunity. I'm curious about what is it about poetry that really speaks to you personally? Poetry is just such a distillation of emotion. It takes just a few words. And also, I must say that the Green Parrot is kind of your short attention span theater. So it's just a brief way to communicate a thought. Of course, music is poetry, right? Please. Dance is poetry. So I think we really kind of uh, stick our toe in a lot of different waters here. We're going to be hearing a band that's come here from New Orleans. Yes, Dave Jordan. And uh, he's one of the many bands that have been here post-Katrina diaspora. So many musicians were left without, not only without a home, but without a, a venues to play in. So they found us, we found them. And once we made the connection, and a few of them made their beachhead here, they really, really enjoyed the hospitality of Key West, the audience at the Green Parrot, and when they would get done their gig here, they'd go back to New Orleans and kind of spread the gospel of the Green Parrot. Wow, what a great little corner saloon. So we made that connection, and then all of a sudden it was Eric Lindell, it was Bonarama, it was Johnny Sketch and the Dirty Notes, Mia Borders. So many great New Orleans bands found their way here, and now they're just part of our family. And so Dave Jordan is one of them. We love him. Both my kids have been inspirations for different things that we do here in the cultural level. Nick inspires poetry here. It was his idea for the Little Free Library. We do a drink and draw here night once a month where people are invited to come in and we provide the sketching materials and they can sit in the back bar and have a few beers and sketch and have a social event out of it. And that was my other son's, Dan's idea. I talked to him one day, he lives in San Francisco. I said, what are you up to? I'm on the subway here, I'm going out to Oakland, I'm going to a drink and draw. I said, well, what's a drink and draw? 
Well, me and my buddies, every week we go to a different bar and we just sketch and have a few beers. You ought to try it. So we tried it. It was like a year ago. Now you'll have 20 or 25 people show up at the back bar. Go figure. It's a lot of fun. That is great. Yep. And the poetry moment that you do every day, yeah. you call it One for the Road? One for the Road is what Jack calls it. And we have a long history of poetry here, actually. We can go back 20 or 25 years when poetry slams were kind of in vogue a decade or so ago. We instituted some of them with local people, and it was very lively. People got up there for a whole evening. Key West, it's known as a literary town, and it's in the water. There's just a lot, a lot of talented people here, and if you give them the opportunity, they're gonna sing. We do a ukulele night where we invite people to bring their own ukuleles. We were witness. And man, you know, that's what I said. It must be something in the water here because once you give people the opportunity to be creative, there's no limit to what you're going to wind up with. So I consider myself just kind of a uh, curator of this stuff and not the I think curator is a great word for you, yeah, John. Yeah, Nick says I should be the Minister of Culture. Oh, maybe so. you are. I think perhaps you already are. <laughs> Let me see if I can uh, see who I see over here. Yeah, you want me to try and bring Dave over here. Dave himself. Yeah, Dave himself. All right, That'll hang on cool. one second. Okay. What's really cool about this place is how relaxed and yet really on the ball it is. They have their own sound engineer. They have great Wi-Fi. They have great drinks. <laughs> That's right. I'm looking at my drink right now. Underneath this great drink is a little card that says voted best live music and performance venue. That's a pretty great tagline. That's right. We're going to pass the mic to Dave Jordan. Dave Jordan from New Orleans. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Welcome to Fresh Art International. We are a podcast and radio show broadcasting from Miami's Jolt Radio. It's an online station. Cool. And I heard that you were going to be here, and I really wanted to introduce you because I was hearing the story about how you first came to the Green Parrot. Why don't you tell us? No, we just love it here. Key West is a lot like you know the French Quarter in New Orleans, so it's a very much a home away from home type place. It's one of those ones, the older I get, when I go out on tour, I really just want to go to the places that I like to go to, <laughs> if I can pull that off. You know? Key West is definitely one of the places on that list. So what are people going to hear tonight? It's kind of considered roots rock. We're basically just a little rock and roll band, but it's obvious we're from South Louisiana. You're going to hear a lot of things that are associated or reflective of Louisiana music. Not just New Orleans, but other parts of South Louisiana as well. So we do a mix of funk, a little bit of blues, country blues, some country, some straight up rock and roll. There's touches of Zydeco sounding stuff, although I can't claim to be a real Zydeco musician. The name of the group is Dave Jordan and the NIA. Let's mm -hmm. explain to our listeners what's the NIA. The NIA stands for the Neighborhood Improvement Association. And it was just a little joke we had on stage one night and we just decided that it's a good name if you're traveling around the country. You know? Brings people together, you know, we're, that's kind of what we're Makes all about. Makes you feel like home, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And now Jack Hackett has arrived to share a moment or two with us before he recites his daily poem. He is the resident poet of the Green Parrot during Poetry Month. 
Welcome to Fresh Art International, Jack. Grand to be here. Glorious day. Ole. Very happy to meet you. And I hear you have some history here at the Parrot. Oh, yeah. John here and it's an instituted this a One for the Road program. That's a poem a day through the month of April, acknowledging National Poetry Month. He's always bringing these cultural ideas to the Green Parrot, and he says he's going to force culture on them, whether they drink it or not. I know that you share each day poems from well-known, national, internationally known poets, as well as local talent. That is correct. I usually do pieces by people who stayed here and visited here, such as Robert Frost used to winter here, Tennessee Williams lived here, Elizabeth Bishop lived here, Shel Silverstein lived here, Ernest Hemingway wrote poems. I go through a variety of people doing those pieces as well as classical pieces and then uh, local pieces, contemporary pieces. Then I slide in some of my very own. What's today's special? Well, today's special happens to be somebody who was born and bred right there in Bahama Village and well associated with the uh, Green Parrot. And I'm going to read his piece that takes place in uh, Contemporary Day. It's about a Publix in Hollywood. For those listeners who aren't from the U.S., a Publix is a grocery store, and Hollywood is between Fort Lauderdale and Miami. So it's a very much South Florida poem. Hollywood is located along the eastern coast, the Atlantic coast of Florida. And this poet writes about groceries, maybe. It has a little bit of a different view as you go through a Publix. And this is the view that he has. The title of the poem is A Publix in Hollywood for David Swenson. I bought canned hearts of palm, a jar of purple Peruvian olives, and a little can of tuna from Spain that would slice my knuckle and bleed it into my sink. I saw a tired family with hospital visitor stickers on their shirts. And in the cut fruit cooler between wedges of pineapple and tubs of chugged fruit, a four-pack of natural-like tall boys with one gone missing from its plastic stare. Did you see who stole that air-conditioned beer? Who found the least fetid steak? Were you there to sympathize with the armed security guard? Did you see the young couple arguing in line? Him waving her off as she stormed away. Her coming back to ask if he needed any help carrying the bag of charcoal. And did you see on the way out across from the scale the Western Union forms? And the copy machine destroyed by desperate scanning of so many photo IDs and passports and water bills. Perched on the coin counting machine, tall as that missing can of beer, a candle for the sacred heart. Unlit then, but already burned to its base. And on it the words, have mercy on us. Glowing furnace of charity, have mercy. And that was by Nick Vagnoni. Wow. Shout out to Nick in Miami. Beautiful. What a great choice. 
Fates move in strange, peculiar ways, no? Yes, they do, Jack Hackett. <laughs> Thank you for spending your time with me. I know they're about to introduce you to the crowd here at the Green Parrot. Okay. So thank you for sharing the poem privately and intimately with our listeners. All right. Thank you for being here. Take care. Bye-bye. There was a gentleman that walked by. These characters walked by. There's so much beautiful tanned, leathered skin down here in Key West. Long hair, hats. So it turns out this guy was the guy that built this table that we're using years and years ago. So we got to catch up with him. As you can hear, the excitement is in the air as the band is about to begin with Mr. Jack Hackett, resident poet. Jack Hackett comes to our stage and reads a poem a day. So I want to have a big round of applause for Jack and all he does. Let's hear for Jack Hackett here. Let's hear for poetry and bars. There's a place for that. There's a place for that. All right, now we're going to let you hear just from the band that's about to start playing. And now, here for you. With their hearts burning, and who will have no mercy? No mercy as they unleash the music of their soul.
while this band from New Orleans is passing their chip jar, I'm Kathy Bird with Fresh Art International, here with Monica McGivern, an artist based in Miami, Florida, here along for the journey alongside Kathy Bird and Fresh Art International for the destination Fresh Art. First stop on our 2018 tour, and we couldn't have picked a more beautiful place to do it, but the end of the road, the very edge of the United States, mile zero of US-1, the highway that traverses from here to Canada. We are so happy that you joined us here today. Look how far we'll go to bring you a great story. You know what, I, th I think that a great tagline is, we promise to take you with us, right? We do, we promise to take you with us to the end of the road and far, far away, as far as Dakar, Senegal this year for Dakar, to a film festival in Trinidad and Tobago, to a convening of curators in the Dominican Republic, and so much more we cannot wait to share with you the adventures that we have and that we think are worth sharing, the voices that are unheard, we are going to share with you this year. Yes, Key West is the perfect first stop for Destination Fresh Art 2018. The stories from this mecca for artists, writers, and musicians have surely inspired you to go there. Visit FreshArtInternational.com to find out more about the studios of Key West and discover all the other places and spaces we've explored since 2011. Please listen, rate, and review our stories anywhere you go for podcasts. This is a great time to share your love for Fresh Art International. Locust Projects in Miami has this month awarded our program a Warhol-funded Wavemaker grant. Right now, the Knight Foundation will match your donations dollar for dollar. Visit our website and click on the red support button to give what you can. Thank you for joining us today. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.